All right, so welcome back to the fourth episode of Reflection as a Service. Uh, I'm here with my my cohort, James Jeffers. Howdy. And we're here to talk today about technology and software engineering, uh, let's see, uh, entrepreneurship. And today we don't have a guest, and we kind of we kind of were both on the same page about talking about the blues. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, disappointments within development and within entrepreneurship and how we've dealt with them personally and how they don't change over time. They're still going to happen um, and, and some ideas like that. And then personally, I think I'm going to talk a little bit about the blues and what it's like within software development and the fact that it actually happens so we can be open about that. But we're not going to have a down podcast. We're still going to be up. We're still going to be lively, have a good time talking about it. So hopefully you'll enjoy it. Um, just to get started, once again, I am Paul Merrill, Beaufort Fairmont. We specifically work with automated testing, and we write software to test software, taking the burden off of your teams by delivering advanced, reliable, and efficient automated software testing. Our services are all customizable to meet your needs. So when your team needs automated testing suites and frameworks built, consulting for automation projects, or training and coaching to introduce automated testing to your team, we can help. At Beaufort Fairmont, our exceptional software engineers work with a variety of open source tools like Robot Framework, Cucumber, Selenium WebDriver, and others. We're proficient in C Sharp, Java, JavaScript, C Objective C, and others. Call us right now at 984-244-2313 or email us at info at beaufortfairmont.com to get started automating your testing. And James, of course, is from Code Providence. Yep. And uh, it's uh, just me. It's a one-man development shop, but I am a, a, a software wizard extraordinaire. So <laughs> I, help, I help make people uh, create software that's got a big impact. So That's right. So let's get started. So James, I think um, we both kind of came up with the idea of talking about disappointment and talking about the blues. But it seemed like you had some specifics, some specific ideas in talking about it. So maybe I'll just kind of hand it over to you here to start off. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about uh, my career up to this point and what were the biggest disappointments. And uh, it seemed like, uh, you know, my trajectory as a software developer and now of late more on the entrepreneurial side, uh, I've had a, a couple of a couple of peaks and, and quite a number of valleys. And, uh, you know, in the very beginning, right, right out of grad school, I uh, didn't know much about software engineering, but I knew I wanted to write software. Uh, I got a job with uh, IBM, and then I quickly figured out that wasn't really what I wanted to be. So I happened to join this hot startup, and they had cool things like uh, uh, options that, and uh, you know, uh, investors, and it was really exciting. This was about the year 2000, and uh, you can guess what happened. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they just ran out of money, and. Uh, you know, that was pretty disappointing because uh, when I left IBM, it was like a real sure thing. It was a big corporate job and, uh, you know, we had just bought a house and, uh, you know, uh, our son had been born a few months before. So suddenly no job and uh, this was right about the time of the dot bomb. You know, suddenly there were no jobs for software engineers pretty much across the country, it seemed like. And that was pretty hard. And uh, looking back, I mean, I kind of realized why that was so disappointing and why it was so uh, difficult to get over. Uh, my identity was really wrapped up in being a smart guy who works in software. And for nine straight months, while I was looking for work, I was not able to do software you know, for a living. And uh, I really struggled. 
and it really wasn't until the very end of that period that I was able to recalibrate my identity from a guy who does software to uh, being a good dad. And it was kind of funny because right after I, I made that mental adjustment and was kind of okay with not being a software engineer, I found another job and uh, I was right back in the game. So, you, you know, it's so funny that you talk about identity because I think for so many people it is tied to our jobs, especially in the U.S. I don't know how it is in other countries, but I hear that it's different over overseas and in different areas. Um, I know time and time again, I run into folks who, when you ask them what they do or who they are, they tell you about their job. And when you don't have that answer initially, and I've been in that position too, initially you feel like, who am I? How do I even describe myself or talk to others? And then after a while, you really just have to get used to it and move on. Right. I mean, it sounds like that's what you did. Yeah, I, I, I think I did, did move on. And I I think I got a much healthier relationship with you know, my, myself and with jobs that I was going to have from then on. And now it wasn't perfect as you'll see here in a few minutes, but I think it was a lot better. Um, the next big disappointment was, uh, I had started working for a local company that was involved with, uh, online, uh, advertising and delivery. And that company was purchased by another company, which in turn was purchased by Microsoft and things were looking great and we worked together for a while there and then uh one day i walked into my manager's office and we were talking about some stuff and he said uh oh hey by the way on monday uh, they're letting everybody go and uh that's the end of his office and it'll just be you and two other guys and uh, that's it and uh <laughs> i basically the, the following week had to see 80 people that you know i uh, really liked working with uh have to hit the streets and uh, it was another time where it was the tech industry was experiencing another downturn. So, you know, a lot of people that I knew were, you know, it wasn't a great time to be unemployed. And it, it, I think this time around was a little bit easier than 2000, but it was still a struggle. And I, and I know you were affected by that, that uh, action as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I was in the wrong room. <laughs> yeah. Or, or the right room, depending on how you look at it. But um, it was really interesting how different people took it, but that was, yeah, that was a layoff that I got through, um, that I got kicked out in. Um, and you know, there's no good way to do those things. And I don't have any, any problems with anybody that was involved in that. I know business decisions have to be made and I get it, but, um, it was, uh, it was, it was a little tough for a lot of people. I felt better prepared for some reason than I think a lot of folks did. I had been through something similar. There was a company where they were doing a major layoff. I was kind of at the end of my rope with that company and didn't didn't feel good about staying and wanted something new. This is um, a while back, and I just I asked if I could be a part of the layoff just so that I could get the benefits and everything. Yeah, I knew it was coming and asked to be a part of it, and they said sure. And so, um, so I got to go through training and in, in job seeking, and I got to work with um, a company that helps out with some of that stuff at the time. But yeah, at, at the time that you're talking about, I'm wondering if it was harder to be the one laid off or harder to watch people get laid off. Because I know for me, one of the hardest things when that stuff happens is looking at the telling people when, when you have to tell somebody, hey, I just got laid off and they look at you and they want to do something and they feel terrible and there's nothing they can do. And it's like, yeah, there's nothing you need to do. I'm fine. I'll find a job. Everything's going to be all right. right. You know, um, was there, do you think it was harder watching? Uh, you know, no, not, not at the time. Like when it was happening, you, we were kind of wiping our, our, our forehead going, wow, that, that was a close call. 
it was kind of depressing to see everybody go. And but I'll tell you, the hardest part was the the week after everybody had left, and you're you're walking through the shell of the office, and there's just no and like we it's we, just dark. Oh, and it, cold. Was. <laughs> it was. It was trash uh, is piling up all over the place. <laughs> well, no, we didn't have trash piling up. I mean, we we pretty much as an office made a decision to consolidate everybody's seats into the same area of the of the office. See, and so, that, I think that's important. I think that kind of stuff is really important is get, find the people who you're going to get through something with and stick with them. Yeah. And so the technical side of the building, we, we kind of, you know, circled the wagons and moved our desks together. And I think that helped a lot, but you know, still plenty of days where I remember working on a particular issue with a couple of other guys who were still left. And, you know, we knew that of course the writing was on the wall. Eventually it was going to happen to us too, but you know, we were kind of like, well, we got to keep the lights on for their customers that are still there. Uh, but you know, you would be sitting there working on an issue and you're just looking at your screen and you just have those moments where you just sit back and think about why am I working so hard trying to solve this problem? You know, when you, <laughs> I mean, it's like you have those moments where you're like, Oh yeah, because I need the money. So I'm going to go back to work, <laughs> but it's depressing because you're, because nobody's going to use the code after like a few weeks from now. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. There was that too. It's like, you know, a lot of this stuff, it's like, we're kind of just designing it to get us to the next six to eight months. And they, we didn't really didn't even know, but we had a pretty good idea that at some point we were going to get laid off too. And eventually they did, but I mean, we got an extra year of, of the benefits and the salary. So I, that part was, was good, but we still had many days. We were just, we would just talk about how bummed we were that the gang wasn't in the office and the people that we worked with weren't there. And, you know, it's, we, we know that occasionally people who had been laid off would go out and socialize. And we, we kind of, felt like well we could we could go be part of that but we kind of felt like not part of that tribe anymore we had didn't have that experience of going through the layoff did you so, hear that guys they thought about us <laughs> they missed us yeah we did wow. it, was, it was pretty yeah. bad well and that was a tough time what did, what were some of the good things you guys got out of it or some of the things that you learned from it uh because like we said this isn't going to be a downer today we're going to talk about being down but we're not going to end on a downer note well i i think like i said i think i think you know we talking to some of the other guys that were in the group we you know all of us were, were married except for some of the guys in the support group uh so you know i think our our spouses were particularly happy that we had survived and uh i think for a lot of the folks that did have share common social circles they knew people that were going through layoffs or you know, downsizing at the companies they were at. So it kind of felt like you're on this little lifeboat, little raft. And you're like, well, if we can just hold on for another year, things will turn around and get better. And and pretty much by the time uh, our turn came, the economy seemed like it was much better shape tech-wise. And so it was much easier to find a job after about a year than it was in those first 12 months. Um, and I, I, I think we also kind of took pride in the fact that it, not only did it feel like uh, we were uh, alone you know, in this dark ocean inside this other company and the lights were going to be turned off on us. But we kind of took a, a, a pride in the fact that we were still, you know, helping the clients that, that you know, were using our product. And we kind of felt like it was a, an us versus them mentality versus the rest of, uh, you know, the company because we were sort of an, an orphaned product, uh, but that had a long legacy of, you know, of good service to our customers. So, you know, in that respect, we kind of like, we're like, you know, we kind of felt like the few, the proud, we weren't going to go down without a fight. Uh, you know, so and, and as far as like camaraderie that were of the folks who were left, it was pretty tight. 
Yeah, that's cool. I think that that's really important in, in those situations is figure out uh, who who's in your boat and who's going with you. Um, and I know that I think you and I kind of do that with regard to entrepreneurship and keeping our, our businesses running. I think that um, and, and and succeeding with them, I think we're both um, kind of having some good uh, steps right now. Um, and, you know, I think a while back you and I talked about how we're, we're both going through this. Let's just let's do this together. And basically, it seems like you've got my back and I've got yours. And that's the way we're going to do this. And if anybody else wants to join, we're all for it. We want support and we want to support other people who want to be successful. Um, but that's that's the kind of support we want. Those are the kind of people we want around us are the ones who are looking for success, who believe that we can believe that you and I can do this and believe they can do it themselves. And uh, and that's how we want to move forward. If I don't know. That's how I feel about about this. I think joining forces and finding the right people to help move you forward and support you is really important. Yes. Yeah, and uh, I, I think that you know, no matter where you are in your career, either if you're working for Big Co or you're striking out on your own or in a partnership with someone, uh, it, it is important to seek out other people who are going through the same thing. It, if that's going to be a mastermind group, if that's going to be guys that you co-work with. If that's going to be somebody you meet for coffee, or you know, like Paul and I, we not only we work together, we have a we have a podcast together, and so we <laughs> often talk about uh, you know what's going on, not just the the mechanics of running the business, but also what's going on inside of us. Uh, how do we feel about what's going on? Our fears, I mean, uh, our triumphs. I'm sure there's plenty of days where I've been like on the ledge, and Paul's like, I'm going to talk you back off the ledge. <laughs> Don't jump, and vice versa. Yeah, next time I think I'm just going to grab you by the belt or something. <laughs> this talking just <laughs> is too much work. No, I'm kidding. But I, yeah, and I'm the same way. So I, I think all those things are 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 really important in, in getting through this stuff. And it's the same whether it's starting a new venture. I know that I've started a couple and you've started a, a couple and you've got um, a couple on the way right now or, yep. or at least one on the way. And I'm not going to talk about it because that's up to you. But, um, you know, these things are not easy. It's not easy to sit down and work on a project. And I've been trying to do it for a lot of years. And um, I've gotten a couple out the door, um, one in the form of an ebook, and then another in the form of a, a plug-in, um, and another that's kind of on the shelf right now. But um, it is hard to sit there and work on these things. I, I tried it in the past with other people. And the fact is, when you're working a full-time job, because most most of us are pretty risk-averse in the software engineering world, I, I believe. Um, there, there are some who are more willing to take risks. But for the majority of us, I think we'd like to see that income coming in. We'd like to make sure that we're still getting fed and that there's still a roof over our house, uh, over our heads, while we get this new thing going and while it gains speed. At least that's the way that I have been in the past. And so what that meant was... You go to work for eight or more hours in a day. You come home and then you work on your project from then until whenever you just can't stare at a screen anymore. Yeah. And that sucks. And that's yeah. hard. <laughs> yes, it does. It's really hard. And it, I, I remember I was talking to someone just the other day about um, the fact that because I, I work from home, uh, I have a 40 foot commute, but it's really hard to find separation between office life and home life. Oh, do you you have that problem? Uh, yeah, and I think you know this has been uh, in the last couple of weeks. It's something that I've noticed where you know it's late at night and I'm still working on stuff that honestly could wait for the next day. Yeah. And so I've been trying to pay attention to you know 
you should really disengage from work at this point and go spend time with your family. Uh, and because I can remember when I was uh, a young man, my dad was an engineer for Pratt and Whitney, and the most important thing about the time I spent with my dad was when he was able to be there present, you know, for me and my brother, and not be worrying about work. And I yeah. keep thinking, like, am I sacrificing my son's experience as being my son, my wife's experience being my spouse? Because I'm just I'm overworking myself, and there's well, no. I was gonna say, like, like if there's if there's work that doesn't have to be done right now, you know, it's still gonna be there tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. It is. It is. There are things that do have to get done, though, and I yeah. think the farther you get into this, the more serious it gets. I realized the other day, not the other day, it was a while back. It's been uh, more than months, probably over a year. Um, at some point, I realized that I was no longer playing business. I don't know if you know what I mean by that. Oh, but, yeah. I know. Yeah. Um, at some point, I realized I'm no longer playing business, that we are doing this and we are moving forward, and this is the way it's going to go. And I was, I'm committed. I've invested enough. It's time to make headway or get out. And so we're making headway. There's a major difference in that. I, I mean, before, I would spend this time looking at contracts and talking to a lawyer about a contract and and I and it was like I was trying to find these problems with contracts, or I, I would go and um, what's another good example? Talk to my accountant, and, I, and I'd want to know how we can work on the taxes that we all have to pay, and some of us have to pay more than others because of self-employment tax and things like that, um, and other taxes associated with business and fees and everything else. But trying to make headway with that and figure out a way to deal with it. And I remember it was like I was playing this game and I'm just, and, and now I look at it and it's like, that's not even worth my time right now. You know, I, the things that I need to focus on are the relationships with my clients, the relationships with new clients and potential clients, um, relationships with anybody around me. Cause I have no idea who it is that could bring in the next lead for, for this business. Um, and that's when I really started getting focused on it. But I don't know, maybe I've kind of gone off the, off the rails here, James, pull us back on. <laughs> Well, uh, in, but in terms in terms of uh, uh, you know of uh, of disappointments or yeah. or you know uh, upsets or yeah. you know like and you said you you had the experience of playing a business but then then you realize uh, oh no we're not we're not playing anymore like this is actually happening and I think maybe we feel like we're playing at it because we know that there's a potential that your apple cart is going to get turned over at some point and if you're just playing it's like well I wasn't really serious about it. But if you're like, yeah. I'm in it, and something goes wrong, you're like, you feel it ten times worse. Yeah, and when it, when you really mean it, when you really want to do it, it's it can happen. And I, and I, I just, you know, it's one thing to sit around and dream and try to do something and whatever. It, it's a whole other thing to actually do it. And I know in the past, getting back to disappointment, I'd go out on sales calls and try to rope in a client and get them to sign a contract or whatever. And I'd, I'd come home, you know, with this commitment from somebody and then I'd put together a proposal that they had said would work and at the price point that they wanted and then maybe it doesn't work. This is just kind of hypothetical off the top of my head. But there are a lot of these instances where something would change and for whatever reason I didn't get the gig or the company didn't get the gig. Yeah. And that, that was hard. And now it's different. A few years later, I look at that and yeah, it still sucks, but it doesn't really matter because there are other things going on that have to keep going and we have to keep marching forward, you know, and, and that's just how it is. And you, now I'm, I'm kind of where 
it's not that those things sting any less. It's just that maybe there are different skills for dealing with it or I'm too busy to, to deal with the disappointment or, or something like that. But you just don't have time either. I don't know if you've noticed that. Like you don't have time anymore. You can waste time pouting or you can <laughs> get up and go. Right. Right. It's like, um, you know, there's no, there's no, uh, chorus of, uh, you know, people looking over you singing the song of pity. It's, <laughs> it's like, you're just, that's it. I mean, no one's, no one's there to pat you on the back. Uh, you know, you have to decide you're going to get back up and you're going to keep walking again or start walking again. Yeah. And that's the only way you're going to, you're going to make it to the desert. And you know, you were talking about your biggest disappointments. My biggest, um, at the time was the first business that I started. It was called how to geek on. Yeah. And it was when all that stuff was going on. When, when we got canned, uh, when I got canned and, and you got the lifeboat, um, and I, and I tried to start this company called How to Geek On, and it was supposed to help IT folks find jobs in 2009 during one of the biggest downturns in recent memory. And it was just, what a great idea that I could go out and help people, and I'd be satisfied by helping people instead of just writing code all the time. And I could tell people what I had learned in 10 years of looking for jobs and finding them and whatever else, and uh, help people along who had maybe never been down that path. Uh, all of it rather sophomoric, but <laughs> um, it was, it, I think I did a lot of good for, for a number of people. Um, but in the end, it was an utter failure. <laughs> that was one of the, the hardest times for me. I think in terms of business, uh, it certainly doesn't equate to harder times and things that are more meaningful. But that was a hard time. And it was because I kept seeing this business like just not working. And I kept thinking, why doesn't this work? Why won't it work? And there were a whole lot of reasons it didn't work. The actual premise didn't work at all because you've got people who don't have jobs. How are they supposed to pay you? Yeah. Uh, and then during the biggest downturn in 2000, in recent history, in this particular area, in the triangle, we were buffered from a lot of it, especially within IT. And it turns out that we still had full employment throughout 2009. And I think and 2010 within the IT sector and, I, and within engineering, hard engineering jobs. Um, now, some of that might be numbers play a little bit. If you were to go back and look at a specific period, it might have been that there was a time when we were over, uh, when we were underemployed. Yeah. I'm not sure how to say that, but um, but the idea in general just didn't work. And, you know, I sat there and just let it eat at my stomach night after night, um, thinking about when do I end this and how do I end this? And I'm going to be so embarrassed when this ends. I don't know if you've had those thoughts, but just worried that I, you know, if people knew that I failed, that would be terrible. And the fact is, I don't care who knows how I failed because I learned a lot from it. And that's the way that I'm moving forward. If I didn't learn from that, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense to have had the failing in the first place. You're not going to learn a lot from your successes anyway. The times that you do learn, it's failure, um, and that's just kind of the way the world goes. But at the time, that was difficult. And I think the things that I did to get through it was the people who were closest around me that helped me move forward. Um, I took a little bit of time to think and kind of sort myself out. A lot of times for me, a, a particular venture in business or project will take a lot of energy out of me and I have to kind of go back and just uh, calm down and figure out you know, where I am, regroup, re-energize, and then move forward again. I don't know how it is for you. Uh, I'm sure or if you've experienced similar things, but that was a disappointment for me. Yeah, I think the the last 
the last anecdote I have about disappointment would be uh, it was after I got fired from uh, the, one of the last times that I worked for somebody else. And I mean, the firing itself was whole experience, uh, but it wasn't it wasn't really disappointing. I mean, it kind of stung a bit because, uh, of course, I think everybody wants to belong to a club that everyone else wants to be in. And when when you're kicked out of a club, you kind of feel like, ouch, that hurts. But uh, I kind of, I think I knew at the time is like I really didn't belong in that job anymore, and so uh, not not working in that job anymore to me wasn't at all devastating. It was just kind of like almost almost liberating and I knew from that moment that I was going to uh, work for myself I was gonna have a new a new uh, working arrangement that was gonna be more about flexible schedules for myself and my family and it was going to be on my terms and I wasn't gonna necessarily want to do a commute all the time but I eventually got myself into a, a retainership with a local company and uh, I remember doing the numbers in the middle of the year thinking, why am I not making any money? And I sat there and looked at how I was spending my time and I was like, well, half my time I'm commuting three times a week to this local company and the, the pay is just abysmal. And I just remember sitting there thinking, what have I done? Like, like I enjoyed the people I was working with. It was kind of a cool atmosphere. Uh, I, it was a, an unusual uh group of folks to coach and mentor because it was mostly young uh, folks, mostly female, which was unusual for the area because most technical staffs are young and male. Uh, so there were a lot of women on the staff, which meant you know, a completely different way of, of coaching and relating to people. And I just realized I couldn't, I just couldn't keep working there. And uh, I was not successful in negotiating a different working strategy. And I just remember feeling like this was like the, the biggest money maker and it wasn't making that much money. And I just felt like, Oh, I, I felt like I had to start like all over again. Uh, and that was, that was one of those days where just like you said, you're like, Oh, should I end this? Should I just go get another job? Um, and, uh, I think it helped again, you know, reaching out to other people who had their own consultancies, their own, uh, one man development shops or, you know, uh, just talking to them and saying how you get your how do you get your clients and what kind of rates you're charging and how, how do you negotiate that work and just building it back from there and it it wasn't something that was turned around overnight it took uh, another four or five months before I think I had lined up enough work where I was like okay I'm feeling much better about the situation yeah that's cool and I I remember that I think um, that that appeared to be a, a pretty significant challenge from the outside. Yeah, and I mean, looking back, you're kind of like, well, yeah, of course. I mean, you, you, of course you'd have to do it this way. To If you wanted to get this kind of work, you're going to have to uh, improve the quality of clients that you're going to go after, and um, you're going to have to demonstrate more value. And, you know, all, all these interesting lessons that, at, you know, when you're in it and you're looking up out of that, that hole that you've dug, you're like, oh, I don't, I don't know. You know, and it does, it does start to eat at you because you're like, you know, I kind of told my, my spouse that I was going to, you know, work this way and everything would be fine. And you're like, you look at the numbers, and you're like, this is not fine. <laughs> it needs to change real soon, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, if you're, when you're in a hole, you, you just got to stop digging and get out, right? I mean, right. There's, you just have to commit and do it. Gosh, I don't know what else to add to this. I'm not sure if this has been a good one or not, a good episode or not. I, I, it feels kind of sketchy to me. How's it feel to you? I think um, I think there's probably a lot of people out there who are probably in a situation where they're not feeling the best. They have the blues and, and probably in a job that they don't like 
or in a job they feel like is not really giving them what they want. So I think it would be important to tell those people you're not alone, that other people have gone through times where they've not felt about great about their, their job or their career. Uh, and I think the important thing is to seek the advice and help from others, especially yeah. in the tech industry. And I, th yeah. I think the more you learn about other people that have been in similar situations, uh, similar emotional states, that it's not the end of the world and there's there's always a way out. Uh, yeah. And uh, it, it all comes down to what you really want. That's exactly right. I, I wholeheartedly agree. There are a whole lot of ways to get yourself out of it. Number one is being around people who really have your best interest in mind um, and I think in making sure to exercise, there were a lot of tips that I learned through a lot of different times of going through um, some of these things. One was making sure to exercise. One was making sure to uh, surround yourself with positivity. So you'll note one thing with kids is if they want to be a skateboarder and you walk into their room, there are pictures of skateboarders all over the place and they are successful skateboarders. They aren't just kind of run on the mill, whatever they picture success and they surround themselves with it. And you can do the same thing and it helps. So surround yourself with the success that you want to see in your own life. And that makes a big difference because those little cues that we see around us, um, the little things that we see from day to day, whether it's a positive message or a negative message, they affect us. And um, so that is one thing that you can do to help out. Um, when, when times were really tough and I felt very alone, I would even stick sticky notes to my monitor. James this is probably ridiculous. I can't believe I'm saying this to like 30 people that listen to a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I would stick these sticky notes to the to the monitor and and put messages on them um, that were positive and encouraging. And reading them, it didn't really matter who had said it. Uh, it just mattered that I read them and, and it triggers something in your in your head to go forward. Uh, make sure to be social and be social with the people who are going to keep you up and keep you moving forward. Try not to wear on people and just. Uh, on and on with your negativity nobody wants to hear that and you're going to lose the people who support you if you do but at the same time you know sometimes you have to use those people for that kind of thing so yeah uh, paul i also wanted to know did you did you keep that framed uh hang in there uh post no. with the kitten it's like hanging off the tree branch <laughs> the one that's actually a jigsaw puzzle that you you know you put uh elmer's glue over to keep it all together and then hang it up is that what you're talking about that one yeah i have no idea what that is i've okay. never seen one <laughs> I'll, 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 send a, I'll send you a link to one. You'll know instantly what it is. Oh, oh perfect. No, I, I had no kittens in my area. But I didn't want to be a kitten, so there you go. All right. Um, but, yeah. Well, hopefully we haven't bummed everybody else too much. I, I think you're right. I think there are a lot of people who can uh, hear this, and, and hopefully it'll help. I actually did sit down and take all my blog posts and a lot of the things that I learned from How to Geek On, and I wrote a ebook about it and put that out there. Um, and that's called How to Geek on um, Finding a Job in the Digital Era. That's on Amazon.com in ebook format. So that's out there for $3.99. If anybody wants to look at that, it's a really quick, easy read. Um, and it'll give you some of these tips that we're talking about now. But this wasn't necessarily just about finding a job today. Um, you know, entrepreneurship, dev, all of it's hard. Life's hard. Um, take the downturns um, as much as you can with stride because. Um, when things look the darkest, it's about to get a lot better. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all I got, man. Um, right. We're going to be back soon. Are, have we got another guest scheduled yet? Well, we're working on a couple of them. 
Okay. So yeah. here's what I'm going to do. Anybody who's listening to this, you are our core audience. <laughs> Each one of you is part of our rabid fan base that just can't get enough reflection as a service. And we, uh, we want to hear from you. So f- talk to us on Twitter, Reflection AAS. Find us on our website, reflectionasaservice.com. Reach out to us at raas at beaufortfairmont.com. Uh, or some way or another. We want to hear what you want to hear about. We want to hear what we can do to make this better. And especially if you're an entrepreneur or you're a developer who thinks that you have something to share on this podcast and would make it interesting, we would love to have you come and guest. Uh, just reach out to one of us. I'm also on on Twitter, D. Paul Merrill, and James is J.D. Jeffers. So uh, we're looking forward to hearing from you, and we'll get back with you real soon. Um, have a great couple of weeks here and we will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening.